Hmm. Praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. My name is Chad. That was Andrew. Say thank you, Andrew. And Katie and Michael. Sometimes we forget to tell everyone our names, but uh, I'm just so grateful. And can we just give a big shout for the team that God has and is raising up at our church? Just love our team. It's a, such an honor to be a pastor here and, and to run with so many qualified, gifted, anointed, passionate people. Um, so just really excited. Uh, I just want to just share a little bit of my heart. We're going to obviously get into this thing. How many love that we're, we're, we love to study and abide in and obey this, the book, the Bible that points us to Jesus, It leads us to his heart, right? Um, yeah, his words are life. How many believe that today? They're more than suggestions. They're an invitation to participation. Say that with me. His words are an invitation to participation. They're an, they're an invitation to know him, to see him, to behold him, to treasure him, to love him. And in that invitation, as we respond to his word, there's an exchange. How many are thankful for what we get on the, uh, the other end of the exchange? We bring our confusion, our chaos, our brokenness, our sin, our insecurities, our fears. We trade those, receive his word, and we leave with beauty. We leave with forgiveness. We leave with hope and confidence and courage. Amen. It's the great exchange. So early this week, I was, I was praying. Um, I've just been finding myself in kind of a disorienting season. I'm trying to just discern the heart of God for our church family and, and not just for my own life personally, but for our collective corporate lives together. And, and so it's so funny. My rhythm all throughout the week is I'll be... I'll be studying, I'll be journaling, be writing, and then I'm like, okay, I gotta pray. So I like prayer walk sometimes multiple times a day just because I realize that what I'm so desperate to see God do in me and in us, I'm so aware of my absolute inadequacy to affect kingdom eternal change apart from the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's so funny, you know, as I study this and I read and I think I have all these huge we, we have all of these ideas and written thousands of notes and all of the strategies and charts and whiteboards, but th the Lord has me in a season where I am just so aware that apart from him breathing on the embers of your heart and my heart, there will be no transformation or change. So I've just been, it's just been a fun, I've always believed in prayer since I was like 16. Many of you know my testimony, but the Lord is really planting the conviction uh, and, and the promise that's tied to the ask, seek, and knock. How many know if you ask and keep on asking, heaven will respond? If you seek with all of your heart, you will find. And if you knock and keep on knocking, as, as sooner or later, heaven's door will open and we will see the promises, provision, and power of God released in our day through a people who didn't quit. Amen. Through a people who didn't shrink back, through a people who 
who bought into the crazy idea that Jesus was really worthy of our awe, our affection. So, so I was praying this week, and, and from one of my prayer walks, I'm just talking to the Lord and just listening, and, and I, I realize one of my problems is, is God has actually called me to be a foundation layer. Um, that's a long story, but let's just make it 20 seconds. God has given me things in my heart and my mind and the way I see the world through big picture, through foundation, like, like, um, like an architect. And I've not always known how to take that big picture, shrink it down to a group of people who already have a story, to a church that's already been in existence for many, many years, and there's always been that struggle to be able to articulate and then implement what's in my heart and in my mind as I'm submitted to the Lordship of Jesus and I'm saturated in the word of the Lord and how to take that and then to implement it and walk it out together. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Or can you at least empathize with me? The struggle is real. The struggle is real. I'm totally serious. And so I'm prayer walking and I'm considering all of this. Like, I wish like, I wish this Sunday could be like the first Sunday for all of us. And I'm not kidding, no sooner did I pray that and say that than the Lord's like, well, why don't you treat it like it is? Why don't you treat it like it's the very first Sunday ever? Like it's a brand new city, first Sunday. Well, why don't you treat it that way? And I remember going, God, can I? Because <laughs> I'm a foundation later. I see the picture. I see it. This thing is in me. I don't, because all of us come from different stories and roadmaps and histories and churches. Many of you come, myself included, different churches, different backgrounds, theological, blah, blah, blah. We, we're just all over the map, so easily scattered. And the Lord's like, Treat this Sunday like it's your first, and I can only explain it in these terms. I was like, okay, cool. This Sunday's the first Sunday. And then the rest of my prayer time, the Lord just began to download our journey. He can change it tomorrow if he wants. I don't think he will. He might. Literally from this Sunday till the end of December, the Lord just blasted in my heart, here's the journey I want, to, I want you guys to go on. And can I just say, you guys may not feel that pressure every week to preach, or you have your own pressures, or you know, to have vision and lead your own family, your own life, your own friendships, your, your fine, you have all these pressures, but to, to, to sense that kind of direction and even playfulness from the Lord. Can I just say, I love you, Jesus. Thank you that you are the Lord of your church, that you know how to guide and lead and direct. I love that the Lord has an opinion and an agenda and a good, pleasing, and perfect will if we'll check in on his thoughts at the expense even of our own and say, Lord, your ways are higher, they're greater, they're better than mine, and I want to be in on what you're thinking, seeing, feeling, sensing, and wanting, because in that, there will be life more abundance that's released, not only in our own lives, but in those lives that we're in covenant with. That's the leadership of the Lord, the goodness of God. So I was prayer walking, and the Lord's like, well, just treat it like it is. I'm all, oh my gosh. Sweet. 
Sweet. So start building right here this, this Sunday night, the, the September 8th. Start building a foundation. Let's, 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 let's have a, a divine pause and then a divine reset and then just a restructuring of the, the foundation of what does it mean for us to be the people of God, oriented around Jesus, his kingdom, his lordship, it's saturated, soaked, and inspired with our imaginations. We begin to think biblically, and then we're submitted to the, 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 the leadership of the Holy Spirit and his empowering presence. And I'm just so excited on September 8th to begin this journey with you. And so you're all, what's his first message going to be? Whoa. <sighs> a couple weeks ago, we were over at Andrew, and here's the, here's the message. It's a doodle. A couple weeks ago, here's why this is so important, not just for me personally, I think definitely for us corporately. A couple weeks ago, we were over at Andrew and Katie's house, and they live over by Presker Park and, um, you know, the north side of town, and, and we were all hanging out, eating salad, whatever. <laughs> it wasn't that memorable of a meal, obviously. <laughs> And all of a sudden, a few minutes into the, well, maybe an hour into the hangout, just kind of reflection, friendship time, we go, where are our sons? I don't know, where'd you put them? <laughs> and Andrew and Katie have a son named Joel, or Joel Joel. He's a first grader. And I have three sons, but my oldest son, Caleb's a kindergartner, and we lost him. We, I'm not, it's actually, it was very scary. And we're like, where'd they go? So Haley and Katie get into a car. They drive, and literally, they're nowhere in the neighborhood, people. This is crazy. And... I like, no, dad mode takes over. I'm like, this is actually really serious. So I leave Benjamin, Mackenzie, and what's my other kid? Ethan. I leave them, I leave them home with, with, with Pastor Andrew, uh, Uncle Andrew, and I get in my car, and I know I got to go hunt these boys down. I mean, it was, I just knew it. I saw it in my wife's eyes, and I knew this is pretty serious. And so so we're driving. I saw they went this way, so I went that way, and I'm, I'm driving, and and I pull out of the neighborhood to a very, very busy street, very, very busy street, and I look down to the left, and at this point, the sun is setting, so it's beaming light, and I see two little boys just bopping around on the sidewalk of this very busy street. I've come to find out they had already crossed over the busy street to the park, and they were returning. My son's shirt was off, so he was just having a great time. They were like two little warrior boys. Part of me as a dad was like, yeah. They're kind of figuring stuff out. Honestly, there was a part. But then the other vast majority of the part of me was like, get in the car. <laughs> and what was super interesting is they had a piece of paper like this where they were following their map. Say it with me, their map to the lost world of the treasure. And uh, my son doesn't have a shirt on in a place he doesn't know well at all. 
and I see him on a sidewalk following a map that they designed <laughs> and drew that had at its end an imaginary treasure. Please see where I'm going with this. When I was hired here, I was hired as a preacher. I was only known because of my abilities or giftings. I, I had not earned the credibility to be called pastor. Certainly not the credibility to be called leader. You're hired because of your gift mix or your, your heart or whatever, but there's a season where people's trust, it takes time to earn trust. It takes time to... There's ins and there's outs, there's offense, there's a I don't like you, I don't like you. There, there's, there's just inevitably a season in every turnaround in every organization where the hireling either becomes the spiritual authority or one of them an under-shepherd of the good shepherd or not. And on this September 8th, I, I, the Lord is just be really, you know, about eight, eight weeks ago, I was outside of the coffee shop and and I was getting ready to go in to just begin to study and to just reflect on, you know, activities and stuff we have to plan. And, and the Lord, and, and the Lord's like, Chad, you know, if you say yes to a lifelong call to be a leader on the Central Coast, you can, you and then y'all, your people, it was never just me, I can touch the world through that kind of commitment. And I can only tell you that these last six to eight weeks, there's been such a profound peace where before, maybe I'd be okay for you just to be running out of your own map and your own imagination of what the end should look like, but no more. This morning at four something in the morning, the Lord reminded me of this little story. Thank you, Jesus, because it's a great story. But I am so convinced that so many of us are living out of maps, out of stories, out of our opinions. Maybe they have a few Bible verses mixed in there, but beloved, I'm telling you, for the days that we're entering into, we've got to be on the right map, with the right aim, with the right end, built on the correct foundation, with the right people, because the Lord has an end in mind, and he's got landmarks and anchor points on the map that we're meant to know by heart, not by theory, things that we don't just confessionally nod to, but they're burning on the inside. They're branded on our minds and on our hearts. The, 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 the reality is God's calling us to go on a journey together, but we've got to get on the same map. And what's so stunning is this is not just you guys get on the map. It's you have no idea this season I've been in is so disorienting. I have so much of this memorized and in my heart, not that I'm entertaining weird, unorthodox thoughts, but God, how do I lead in this moment of rampant secularism where Barna tells me 18% of the next generation within 20, 30 years will even consider Christianity a plausible, viable option? God, I'm so disoriented because I thought my gifts were, would be sufficient to generate a big movement and people could find God. And it's like at everything on my map as a pastor that I was handed and even sort of trained to believe was the way forward, the Lord's been one 
anchor point at a time saying, I have a different strategy and opinion. So when I talk about a map, I'm not saying all you knuckleheads need to get your maps in order and get the kingdom choreographer or or cartographer. (laughs) This is what God's doing in me. He's doing this in me. And what, what's so stunning is, is as, you know, we just launched Revive Crew and the, the young adult deal, and it's just the maps that culture is hand, are handing us are not trustworthy. Maps that say, you are the center of reality. You define your own truth. Just do what feels good. Come on, somebody. The map that says, The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, that there's a way that seems right to man, but it always ends in death. And so as a people and as a church, I just really sense the zeal of the Lord to over these next three to four months to just name the map and the anchor points on it that we can build together a solid foundation upon which the Lord can build a body that can touch the globe. And the more expansive the reach, the deeper and more sturdy and solid the foundation needs to be. If you agree, say amen. So, the map. So over these next 15 weeks, we're going to begin to look at what's on the map. What are those anchor points? What are those landmarks? What are those dynamics of the word and the kingdom? What are those things that we're meant to know how to get there? More than that, we're meant to know how to live out of the truth there. So, for September 8th, What is this first point? Presker Park. Presker Park. That's so funny. That's awesome. You're funny. Well, my, my, the, really, the ultimate question is sort of what story are you living out of? We have to start there. We're story creatures. If you agree, say amen. Why do we love movies and books and literature and art? What what do stories have the ability to do? They have the ability to do what? Louder people so I can hear. Teach, picture, what? Motivate. Easy to remember, inspire. Guide. Think, follow. They have a way of seizing our imagination. What reality? What else do stories do? Good stories. You can pass them on. This is so good. You're preaching all my points. Think of another place. They bring you joy. Inspiration. Okay, that's good. Thank you. 
But every great story, there's an element where you can find yourself in it, and that's why it pulls at your heart. The great stories and the great movies, how many, how many have wanted to be one character at the beginning of the movie until you found out the end, and you're like, oh, can I change characters? <laughs> and as we start here on what is the story, what is the map, and what story are we living in? What, what are some common stories or narratives that people live out of? Maybe that you've lived out of in your past before you found the great Jesus kingdom story. Come on, help me out. What are some common stories? Depression? Condemnation? Self-doubt? Self-reliance? There's a lot of self, 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 self. That's about right. Did you know that God in his infinite mercy and goodness and kindness actually invites us to be a part of his eternal kingdom story. Amen. If you look at the Bible from Genesis 1 to 2 and then Revelation 21 and 22, there's this amazing God who creates a context of flourishing, of bounty, of abundance, of connection, of beauty, of relationship, of communion, of purpose and destiny. Did you know that's at the beginning of your Bible and at the end of your Bible? And right there at chapter three, the humans want to forge their own path and write their own story apart from God. And did you know that from Genesis 3 all the way through Revelation 22, God has been living out of the where are you question he asked Adam and Eve way there at the beginning of the story. Remember when they, they, they you know, all the fruit, all the beauty, all the glory, the, the, the communion with God and the shared partnership and dominion that God gave them to rule and subdue and to fill and to be fruitful and to multiply and to cultivate the raw material of Eden and to, to extend the boundaries and the borders of this good, perfect creation out into the world. And right there at the beginning, the enemies causing them to doubt the goodness of God, that he's grubby, that he's holding out on them, that, 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 that the story that he has set up for them to flourish and to, to, to function in fullness and abundance and beauty and, and purpose, that that story is not as good as a story they could write on their own apart from God and even at odds with God. And they buy the lie and when they bought the lie, that story that God set up for this original couple, Adam and Eve, that story experienced a seismic riff. And the naked couple that felt no shame but had perfect access to a holy God, they all of a sudden were aware of their nakedness. They were all of a sudden aware of their brokenness. They were all of a sudden aware of the other and their faults and their problems. And the story of God experienced a massive chasm. 
brokenness and sin. And it's in that story, check this out, God is still there in the garden, hanging out, walking. But whereas before, before they chose to write their own story and live out of their own map, before they bought the lie of the enemy that God is not good, that he's not worthy of your trust, that he doesn't have your best interest in mind, that what he's given us in his good creation isn't sufficient or enough, so you've got to go looking elsewhere. When they bought that lie, they hide from the source and the sustainer of the good God. And I love that God still shows up for his afternoon walk. And he's all, where are you? And did you know that God has been relentlessly pursuing rebellious humans who continue to want to write their own story not to shame, kill, or condemn, but to woo and win you through his self-emptying, sacrificial love. Sunday number one, what story are you living in? If you're buying the lie that God is not good, that you're the center of the story, that he can't be trusted, that somehow life in him diminishes or shrinks instead of expands and explodes. If you're buying the lie that the story is about you, that you are the chief author, that you've got to write your way, and you've got to be the, the not the damsel in distress, the heroine or the hero, and you find yourself living out of your map and your story, but every anchor point you draw when you get there, it never delivers on the promise that pulled you into that lie in the first place. Come on, somebody, say Amen. That, that, that thing that if you possess that amount, if you had that many followers or fans, if you were known by that sphere of people, if you had that relationship fixed, if you had, and we follow these maps because we, we write and forge our own paths and stories. And all the while, Genesis 3, 9, God is saying, where are you? You can choose to respond to my goodness and grace as I want you in my story, but you got to abandon yours to experience mine. And in so doing, you'll actually experience the purpose for which I designed and made you. It's the kingdom story. And God is always wooing and drawing and inviting us into his story. into his story. The, the, the one verse that I want to kick off with, uh, besides those other verses, the one verse Jesus has, and if you read Matthew, I don't have time to read four chapters for background, but chapter one is this promise of the seed of Abraham and this descendant, this descendant of David, so he's going to be the royal king of all the promises of Israel. And, and then in chapter 3, he's baptized by John, and the father says, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. And then he's driven by the Spirit into the wilderness where he's tempted to forge his own version of a kingdom story by buying the lie of the devil. You have to see that. Even Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted to forge and, and to author a story that is not God's intention. Even Jesus knows that temptation. Even Jesus knows uh, 
the, the way the enemy wants to sneak in and say, oh, you can write and forge your own path. And then Jesus conquers the enemy in the garden. I'm sorry, that was later. He conquers the enemy in the wilderness. Three times he's tempted. Three times he overcomes by clinging to the word of his father. And then the devil leaves him. Then Jesus rolls. He relocates from his hometown to Galilee. He sets up shop. And he preaches these words. In Matthew chapter 4. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And what I want, and then he calls the disciples and Peter, James, and John, and Andrew. And then he heals a bunch of sick people. healing every disease and sickness. Then the news begins to spread about him all over that region. But his first, word, his first message to us is repent for the kingdom of heaven. That's Matthew, the kingdom of God. God's kingdom story, dream, destiny. It's here. Respond. that context for flourishing, that a world where God is king, where he's reigning, where he's ruling, where his power and his provision and his will and his purposes and his word is cherished, his ways are walked in. That reality of Genesis 1 and 2 and that prophetic hope of Revelation 21 and 22, it is intersecting time and space right here, right now in the person of Jesus. And he's saying, repent, stop whatever story you're listening to, whatever path you're walking in, whatever lie that's motivating you, whatever idol that burns within your bones, whatever ism that's influencing your mindset and that causes you to, to, to assign value and worth and purpose to things or places or people, whatever road you're on, stop and reconsider the story you're living in. So repent. Change your mind. Everything is changing with the inbreaking of my presence. Everything changes. Stop. Repent. Stop. Rethink and consider a story to believe a story to live and experience where I am king. And when you get who's in charge right, we can get aligned and oriented according to his purposes and plans and experience life as he intended and designed. It's really cool. It's good. And then this is the last verse. So it's a kingdom story. It's... it's It's a story where God is king, where he reigns and he rules and he invites us, those that bear his image and mark, to come to rethink and to surrender to his leadership and lordship. And out of that place, we can experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. So how do I experience that? 
I've been thinking about that myself. Chad, how do you experience more of this kingdom story? How do you experience life as God designed it and intended it? Has anyone ever thought of that in your own quietness of your own soul? God, how can I experience, I believe that Jesus is, he's awesome and he died and he rose and but how come I'm not experiencing what I know to be true, but I want it to be, I want it to move me. I want it to permeate my thinking, my attitudes, my actions. Is there anyone out there that's like, I've actually considered that before? How do I experience it more? How do I experience this life that, that God wants? How do I experience the story? How, guys, I've been so asking myself this. I'm like addicted to prayer walking right now. Let me tell you, there's worse things to be addicted to. I find myself, I'm just reading and I see these promises that God wants to turn my water into wine because he saves the best to last. And then I look at my own life and I say, God, I'm still drinking water, but you promised to turn it into wine. I look at my schedule and I try to work hard and I read books and I journal and I plan and and we're trying new ministries and things. And, and then I look at the reality of what I, I hope to see and dream. And, and the Lord, and I, I read that story that just one word from Jesus, from fishermen who fish all night, and they catch nothing in one word from the shore of the king of the story, try the other side, and their, their load is so heavy that their nets begin to break. And I look at my own life and say, Lord, I don't see nets that are so full of fish. There's a gap in what I see and what I experience and live. And instead of growing bitter, I'm not bitter. It's making me hungrier. Because the story is not just a story on pages that were written 2,000 years ago so that we would admire. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, folks. It's a story... The water to wine story. The, I, I know so well the, the five loaves and the two fish and the immensity of the needs of our own little church and then those outside of these doors. And I go, God, how in the world does this work? I read this story, but my experience is so far short of that. Help. Am I talking to anyone today? I look at these promises in Isaiah 40 through 66. That chunk is some of the best in the whole Bible. And I see these promises, and the Lord says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Do you see it? Do you perceive it? And he's just always talking about rivers and dry, desolate, dead places. Folks, we are in a dry, desolate cultural moment, but God says it's in that moment I want a river to explode in the dryness. And I read those promises, and I go, Come on, you're not just meant to read these and go, oh, that's clever, that's nice, that's cool that Jesus wants to do that. These are an invitation to believe and to participate in the ongoing kingdom story of Jesus Christ. And I, I read these stories and these promises that Jesus is totally fine with dismissing crowds who were compromised and who were only in it to fill their natural belly. And he's left with 12. One of them he knows is going to betray him. And he's like, perfect. This is all I need to change the world. And I go, God, I don't see it that way. My map is jacked. 
I think I need a majority. And I see promise after promise, story after story of this story, and I'm confronted with the gap in my heart, mind, and life in my actual experience. Does anyone know what I'm talking about by the gap? (laughs) And here's the thing. If Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 8, is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then we have to believe we do not have the theological option to say that somehow his power has diminished from when he walked the hills of Galilee. You and I are not allowed to say that the God of resurrection, somehow when he ascended and sat down at the right hand of his dad in heaven, somehow we have no access to that same resurrection power in life. So, the gap. God, we're, we want to be in the kingdom story. We, we want you to take our janky maps and rewrite them. Come on, someone say amen. And I, I know, Lord, that those promises are not just there to make us feel empty and hopeless. They're meant to provoke a journey of discovery and belief and longing and hunger. <laughs> They're not just, oh, that's great, water to wine. Cool, start to your ministry, Jesus. He's like, no, 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 no. This is what I'm going to do from here on out. I'm gonna meet you at your lack and at that place when you're about to give up or look in and think you have to move the thing forward, you're gonna look up and the master of the banquet's gonna draw wine that is sweeter, that has more depth of flavor that will move the master of the banquet and say, where did you get this stuff? Come on, how many want to be a part of a story of God's kingdom where people are like, where did you get that? How can you experience joy in the midst of this chaos? How can you experience peace when your health, when your body, when your family? How can you experience a a sense of purpose when it just seems like at the speed of your thumb scroll, there's just things pulling at you to worship and to give your appetites and your affection and your vision too? How can you be so focused on, how, how come when the storm comes, everyone else is shaken and bent and their house is crumbled, but you're solid, sturdy, and secure? How? So this one verse is how we're going to end. So Jesus is like, stop. Whatever story you're living out of, stop. Repent. Rethink. Because the kingdom's here. Origen the, 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 uh, of Alexandria, the, one of the early church fathers in the early 1 to 200 ADs, he said Jesus is the auto basilia. He's the kingdom in person. So when Jesus is saying, repent, I'm here, he, there's an invitation to experience life as God designed, ordered, destined, because Jesus is, he's the king of the kingdom, that it's coming in and through his life. How many know without the king, there is no kingdom? You got to say amen to that. That's a big map point. <laughs> big point. And Jesus says, stop, whatever map you're on. You guys think Rome's the problem. Rome's not the problem. Your sin is the problem.
You think it's via revolution. No, it's not via revolution. It's, it's, it's via submission to the Father's will and purpose. I am the promised, prophesied, hoped for King and Messiah of Israel's story. I'm here to bring that story into this present reality of the kingdom of heaven, God's design for flourishing, abundance, beauty. I'm bringing it to bear on the world, but it's in and through me in my way. And so how do I get into it? So what do I do? What do I do with the gap? Everyone say, the gap. I read all the promises, and I'm like, God, I want to fish on the other side of the boat. How about this? I want a small mustard seed to overthrow the mountain in my family. I want to walk on water. I want to be able to bring friends who are paralyzed either literally or physically and just a word from Jesus' mouth, they can leave both forgiven and healed. I want to see people who don't appeal to God based on their own righteousness or their own pedigree or their own performance, but they just appeal to the mercy of the Messiah, and that appeal to mercy releases the compassion of Jesus, and he says to the blind Bartimaeus, get up and walk, dude. Your faith has made you well. I want God to cross the gap. I want to cross the gap. This thing's not a theory, man. The Bible says the kingdom is not a matter of talk, but of power in 1 Corinthians 4.20. I'm not talking down at anybody in this room. I have a gap in my heart, and I want to cross that thing in Jesus' name. I want to live out of the kingdom story. And so there's hope as I close. Everyone's favorite word. You know, after Jesus does all this stuff, and he heals and delivers and this is just the first four chapters of Matthew. You should go read it today. It's amazing. It says this, now when he saw the crowds, because crowds will gather if there's healing and grace stuff, you know. And they were just coming from everywhere. They heard about this guy that's healing people. He's crazy. Every disease and sickness, the Bible says. I mean, you can erase that part, but it's in there. Can't erase it. Don't erase it. <laughs> They're coming from everywhere. This gives me so much hope. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I'll try this mic. <laughs> Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> let, me, let me close, let me, let me tie it together, because you're not getting it, but you will. You only get one start to the greatest sermon ever preached. And it wasn't this one this morning. The crowds are there in the distance. The disciples are up close. His students, the ones who've forsaken all to follow. 
And Jesus says, you know who gets to participate in this kingdom story to get on the map that I've forged from before creation? The kingdom story where I'm at the center, but I, pull, I, I call you to myself to experience life as I designed and purpose. You want to know how to close the gap? Admit the poverty of your spirit. When, I've, when the God gave me that this week, it made me so happy. How do I close the gap? Admit that you can't close it, and I just might give you the kingdom. Admit that you're weak, but in your weakness, I'm strong. Admit that you've tried really hard for 35 years to do it this way. Admit that it's not sufficient so you have space in your spirit to receive my kingdom. Admit that you can't fix that relationship, that you are bankrupt in your spirit. Everything you have is because God is a cheerful giver and he's waiting to pour out his kingdom on us. But if we're so bound up in the lie of pride and self-sufficiency that we've got to do this thing, no, 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 no. We've got to receive the kingdom that is reigning and resting upon the shoulders of Jesus by acknowledging our bankruptcy, inadequacy, brokenness apart from his mercy and grace. And I'm like, how do, God, how do I close the gap? He's like, step one, the poor in spirit get the kingdom of heaven. It's the first word out of the greatest sermon ever preached. You want to be a part of the kingdom story? You don't have to climb a mountain. I already left my eternal throne. The where are you of Genesis 3, 9 has a face, and his name is Jesus, and he's come to seek and save the lost. He's come to those who are broken and bankrupt, to those who could never get to him. So we came all the way to them, to you and to me. And it's in that place of the gap. The Lord's like, acknowledge that poverty of spirit and I will give you the kingdom of heaven. Acknowledge that you're like the friend who's got a friend coming at midnight and you have no bread, but you go to your friend who's got bread to spare and you knock until he opens the door. And you say, look, dude, it's beyond me. God is calling us to do things and to be a part of a story that would blow our minds if we considered its implications and, and ramifications. All I know is I got a friend coming and I, got, I need bread and you've got it. So God, give me bread. Oh, this is good news. You're not getting it yet. But I just, I've been praying for you all week that you would get it. That the way into the kingdom story is acknowledging that you are not worthy to enter it. And when you, you adopt that humble posture, you find yourself right at the door of the kingdom called Jesus. The door for the sheep to come in and to go out and to find that spacious place of abundant life in his kingdom story. I'm poor in spirit, Jesus. I've tried fishing all night, and I haven't caught a thing. He's like, perfect. Come into the kingdom. <laughs> Remember Nicodemus, that really smart guy in, in John 3? Jesus is like, you want to enter the kingdom? You want to see the kingdom, be a part of the story? You got to be born again. Nicodemus, this super probably wealthy, rich, intelligent, smart genius is like, I don't know how to do that. 
how, I've already been, how do I be born again? Come on, friends, the way into the kingdom story is not by might or by power, but by responding to the grace of Jesus, by acknowledging our lack in poverty. We don't live out of lack because every spiritual blessing is ours in Jesus. Amen, Ephesians 1, 3. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. Come on, somebody. He will meet all of your needs according to the glorious riches that are in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 13 and 18. You can do all things through him. But to get into the story, we don't bring any of those things as the way to say, God, let me in, because look, we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, my map is jacked, but I want to be in on your kingdom. And Jesus says, when you do that, when you acknowledge your bankruptcy apart from me, and you put your faith in me as the king and lord and the, the hero of the story, you will be born again into a new family, a new story, a new kingdom with a new plan and a purpose and destiny. And ah, oh. but you got to go through the door. Whatever road you're on, Matthew 4, 17, stop, reconsider, rethink. Heaven's coming, and it's coming in and through me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you know what I'm doing in the lack? When I, when I read those promises and I go on my prayer walks and prayer time at the altar and prayer and just talking to God and just thinking about him all the time, I bring him the gap and say, Lord, but you said the poor in spirit get the kingdom of heaven. I acknowledge it, but Lord, come, shrink the gap. And by his grace, the gap is going to be shrunk. Amen. Amen. By his grace, the gap is going to be shrunk. So I just want to know who, who wants to be in the kingdom story? But very specifically, I felt like I wanted to ask, is there anyone today who wants to be born again? Nicodemus, the smartest guy, like one of the smartest guys in Israel, he's like, I don't get how that works. He's like, it's a work of God's spirit. It's a work of the spirit. The Holy Spirit draws you to faith in Jesus, and you look to Jesus on the cross, and you realize, whoa, he died the death I deserved, lived the life I couldn't live, and I receive his, his atonement. That If you spread the word apart, at one meant the cost of Genesis 3, 9, where are you? The broken fellowship between God and man has been atoned for through the blood of Jesus Christ. The communion that was lost is now the communion that can be rediscovered by believing in Jesus' death and resurrection. You can be born again. You can be made one with God. You can trade your map that leads you to the middle of nowhere for the kingdom of God, the story of the king. If you want that, if the spirit is drawing your heart, I've been praying all week, God, draw someone to that faith. Can you just stand where you're at, risk the whatever, just say, I want to be born again. Anyone this morning? Awesome, man. Cool. Yeah. Anybody else? You just, I don't know all the answers. I just know my map is broke. Awesome. Cool. 
yeah. I love both of you guys. I love you. You can sit down. Yeah. You guys are good. I'm, I'm convinced that then there's a whole lot of people who are convinced that there's a gap between what they read, think, and see in their own lived experience. And if you're saying today, Chatty, I want God to close that gap in my own life. I want to fish on the other side of the boat. I want to live in the, the story of his kingdom. If that's you, could you stand with me? That you just say, I just want to acknowledge my poverty of spirit. I mean, I'm standing because I'm acknowledging it. And just as you stand, just talk to Jesus right now. Just, I mean, Jesus started the greatest sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Maybe just right now, just say, Father, I, I, that's me. I'm poor in spirit. But you said if I acknowledge that reality of my lack, that you'll pour out your kingdom your life, your abundance, life as you designed and intended. So right now, God, we acknowledge that. We want to trade our map. We want to follow and live in your kingdom story. So I pray just grace upon our body. I pray that instead of growing cynical, oh, that must not be for today, or God must be busy, it, you would release a hunger in our hearts to see the gap closed in our day, to see the God who promised be the God who is fulfilling his promises in and through his people who have just gone all in on trusting in Jesus. All in. And God, I am the first one to go into the river to say, I can't, but you can I lack, but you're full. You've got more than enough. I'm weak, but you're strong. God, what I confess to believe and what I see and experience, there's a gap, but Lord, I acknowledge it this morning, and I'm asking that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I just acknowledge it. I readily acknowledge it, but I thank you that in that confession and that posture, you promised to give us the kingdom. And so just say, Jesus, I receive your provision today. I receive and respond to this invitation. God, mark us as a people who live on the map of your kingdom story. And we just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. So here's what's really cool before, because you guys still have 25 minutes before you can even eat anything. <laughs> How many of you guys understand that sometimes it takes a while to, like, learn to read a map? Raise your hand or say amen. Like, have you ever traveled with someone where you're like, give me the map? <laughs> you're not good at reading. Even a really good map. Friends, we need each other on this map in this story of the kingdom. If you agree, say amen. amen. So we're launching all of our groups and classes starting this week. 
And those classes and those groups are a way to find yourself with others in the kingdom story, discerning how to make sense of the implications of Jesus, the gospel, the word, the kingdom. What does it mean? How does it look? How do I pray? How do I make it? Does that make sense? We're not meant to just read the map alone. We're meant to journey with others. If you agree, say amen. So I want to pray one more prayer, and then you're going to go bounce house and eat very healthy hot dogs and hamburgers. <laughs> Father, I pray that you would just motivate us to journey with each other. I pray that the classes, the groups, and the teams would not be viewed as some heavy, I have to do my duty. God, that it would be a winsome, life-giving invitation from Jesus to run in this kingdom story, to read the map with others and to experience the full and abundant life that Jesus longs to give us. And so, Father, I pray for a move of your spirit that would connect us with each other, with you at the center, and we would be shocked by the grace of God moving in and through our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.